0: up here, you you see the copyright, and you don't have the copyright up there, I kept looking for it, so, So. all right, uh, move some stuff back a little bit, everybody say hi to the goose over there, and here we go, anyway, uh, just, uh, um, uh, for my daughter and son-in-law who are here today, all the way from Franklin, Indiana, they came here, uh, just to meet all of you, so uh, you all can say hi to them. And we, um, I just lost what I was going to say. For them, we we are in the middle of a a series, and the series is entitled um, um, You You Ask For It. And what it is, is this in the summertime, we like to preach a series on answering questions that you guys are concerned about or you guys want to know. So, Uh, we've spent the entire summer just on two questions. Uh, Which of the churches of the book of Revelation is Mount Tabor? And then we start talking about pre-post-mid-tribulation, which give us the scripture for all of them. So we spent some time on that. Now, we we finally got to September and we're going to get to the other questions. And so we're we're looking at uh, uh, one today was entitled, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Christians? Alright? So we're going to try to answer that today. And uh, then next week, we're going to talk about um, uh, the Old Testament law. And do we follow the Old Testament or not? How does it apply to us today with the festivals and the feasts and everything else that go along with it? So we're going to talk about that, actually, next week so what so this week is why do bad things happen to Christians? As many of you know, today is the 21st anniversary of 9/11 and I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it this week when I'm mowing the lawn or doing whatever riding my bike and I think about it, it's been 21 years since that day happened most if not all of our young people that are 21 years old and younger or even 25 years old and younger do not remember that day yet you talk to the older people here and they they can tell you exactly where they were exactly what they were doing when they heard the words we were under attack i talked to pastor van horn this morning And uh, Pastor Van Horn was in Haiti when the attacks happened. And they were unable to find out, figure out why they could not come back to the United States. And finally, someone said to him in Creole, which is Haitian, the United States has been bombed. Well, we we know that's not quite what happened, but we do know it's similar to what happened. you know, um, I think Dave Stowe said he was at Birch Seeds when when that happened, and I was in my office in Finley, Ohio. And some lady called up and wanted to know about our church, and I was describing our church, and all of a sudden she says, "Well, there's this plane that hit the World Trade Center," and and, and I i was thinking of a Cessna, one of those small planes, it makes sense, and then. She goes, oh my. I go, what? She goes, another plane has just hit the World Trade Center. And I said, we're at war. That's exactly what I said. And then I was also a volunteer fireman at the time, and realizing that the, the police officers in and the, and the fire department had rushed into the building, and hundreds of them had been killed, trying to save the lives of others. I, 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 I had to hold myself back from going to New York City. Now, I think my wife even said, are you going to go? And I said, I'd like to, but the best thing I can do is stay away right now. If they need us, they'll call us. I know two firemen from Stryker, Ohio, which is up in Williams County, straight north, they, they grabbed their gear and they went to New York, and they started working on the pile. That has changed us, and changed our society. Before 9-11, you could go to the airport, and I could go to the gate with my wife, and I could see her off on an airplane, and she could fly away, and then I would just, all I had to do was go through a metal detector. Now I'm not allowed to go on the other side of that gate, unless we have a special pass. body scanners are now at the airports never had that before you have to take your shoes off now before you can get on a plane my how things have changed we realize that in those twin towers were about 3,000 people, and some of them were Christians. Why would God allow that to happen to them? I mean, think about it. You become a Christian, you're supposed to become healthy, wealthy, and wise, and nothing's ever is supposed to happen to you. Because God loves you, and God's going to give you anything you ever wanted. I mean, that's what the preachers are preaching today. There's this, and I call it a heresy, that's out there called the prosperity gospel. That is basically teaches that if you have faith enough, then God's going to give you everything that you could ever want. Really, why don't you ask Peter about that? Where God has a wonderful plan for your life, Peter, and he was crucified upside down according to tradition, but. We, We do know that every apostle that followed Jesus, every one of them died a horrible death, with the exception of John. And even he died a death alone on an island called Patmos. Why does God allow bad things to happen? Why are certain pastors preaching this prosperity gospel that they never talk about sin, never talk about anything negative? In fact, all they do is talk about you can have all this and wealthy, wealthy, and white, and you're gonna be happy. Matter of fact, if you were if that if that was so true, and if you gave your life to Christ and you become a millionaire because of what Jesus has done, then why isn't this church filled to the brim? Because if that is true, then people will be in this church because they want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise and want to give all the stuff that God's going to give them in this life. And, of course, you know that's not true. It does not happen that way. I was a camp counselor in a camp in Peoria, Illinois. Southside Mission Camp. Spent an entire summer there. Brought a kid to the Lord. And I went up to him and I said, I'm just going to tell you, you gave your life to Jesus. Yes, I gave my life to Jesus. I said, I'm going to tell you. I said, things are going to happen to you. Strange things are going to happen to you and it's not going to be good. What do you mean by that? I said, trust me. You, you have to go back to your mom and dad that probably don't believe in Jesus. Do they believe in Jesus? No, they don't. I said, you've got to go back to them. I said, you're going to leave this campground someday. And guess what happened? Very next day, he fell off the teeter-totter and broke his arm. And his girlfriend then broke up with him. And I looked at him, and he had to leave then. And I, had, I looked at him and said, I told you. Don't, why do bad things happen? Well, let's go to what the scriptures say. Okay. Let's go to the scripture. We're going to be looking at Romans, we're going to be looking at Matthew, and we're going to be looking at Luke. So let's go to Romans chapter 8 verses 10 through 22 first. And then this will help us to understand what is happening. Okay? So Romans chapter 8 verses uh, uh, 18. I consider, this is Apostle Paul talking here, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So Paul is saying that you... I, I Kind of starting out the sermon with a little bit of a negative here, but you got to understand we got something better coming. You think this world hurts? But I'm going to tell you, eternity is coming. Something much better is coming. All right? For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So he uses a word here, he's talking about creation. Creation is the world. All that's been created are we eagerly waiting. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for something in eager expectation. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for everything to come back to the way it should have been. That means there's something wrong. Yes, there is. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to the decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So Paul is saying that creation is now involved in two things bondage and decay so it's decaying right now all right so climate change in some respects is right because society or the world is decaying and the bible talks about it we know that the whole creation has been groaning got that it's groaning what's it groaning from as their pains of child goes right up to the present time. So it's saying that creation, the world, is groaning. Meaning it's not the way it should be. OK? So what is happening? Well, why do bad things happen? Let me give you a quick answer to it. Because of sin. Because of Adam and Eve's sin. So here you have creation that God made, the heavens and the earth, made everything perfect. I mean, perfect climate. Perfect, I mean, it was so perfect you didn't even have to wear clothes. I mean, you're looking at the perfect temperature. I think of springtime, you know what I mean? That springtime, one Sunday morning when I'm sitting here going, you know, Polly, I don't want to go to church. My body feels wonderful in this bed. It's a perfect temperature. You ever felt that way? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, this is great. And I think about that with, with, with the Garden of Eden. Perfect temperature. Perfect food. It's all strawberries and raspberries. Okay? A perfect food. Everything is wonderful in there. And then Adam and Eve sinned. And of course, you know, things fell apart at that point. And the creation has been decaying ever since. And creation has been groaning ever since. And so we live in a fallen world now because of what Adam and Eve did. We also live in a fallen world now because of what humanity does. And I'll explain that a little bit later. So creation started to decay and creation is now groaning because of the sin of Adam and Eve. Therefore, we now have the droughts, we now have the floods, we now have the tornadoes, we have the hurricanes, we have the earthquake. All of creation is groaning because of that, and because we live in a society and we live in this world, we are subject to that. You understand? So... How many of you have ever experienced a tornado? Okay, so you got some that experienced a tornado. Are you a Christian? Yes or no? Yes. You were subject to that. How many of you have ever experienced an earthquake? I have. That's really it, you ever it's really freaky. The one that I was at, I was in Jamaica with my mom and dad and we were having a missions team and all of a sudden mom was for a few seconds was taller than me. What? And then you heard the rumbling. First earthquake was in uh, South America, and uh, you heard the dogs all cr- squawking and everything else, and then all of a sudden, the rumbling happened. Okay. Uh, Pastor Van Horn was in uh, Haiti uh, during uh, their earthquakes. I mean, it killed Christians as well. We are subject to society and to the world and to the sin of the world. And Just because we're Christian doesn't mean we're going to avoid it. Okay? It is estimated that 60,000 people a year die from natural disasters in the world. Some of them are Christian. When Haiti had their earthquake in 2010, 316,000 people died in that earthquake. Some of them were Christian. The number one natural disaster that has ever been recorded is in, from 1931, there was 24 inches of rain in China in the Yangtze River province, and 21, in, 24 inches of rain over the entire month. Finally, the river gave out, and the river became a, a lake or an ocean. It is estimated that 3.7 million people died in that 1931 flood, and some of them were probably Christian. So creation is now groaning as a result of that. Okay. Another reason, another thing we have to keep in mind is because of Adam and Eve's sin. What, what happened to this? I'm missing one. Do, 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 do. There we go. Humanity now became evil. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, we have a sin nature that is brought upon us. Now, you say, I'm not sinful, I don't have a sin nature. Okay, let me put it this way. If, for 24 hours, there would be absolutely no consequence to anything that you did, what would you do? What would society do? What would happen to the inner city? What would happen to Solana? If you could do anything you want for 24 hours and there would be absolutely no consequence, what would happen? Well, partly I can tell you some of that would happen. All you have to do is look at when the hurricanes hit the coast. Because remember when Hurricane Katrina happened and you had uh, the Walmarts that were being looted? That wasn't their stuff. And they weren't looting food. Tell me, somebody that had to eat a television set. Or someone that had to eat the clothing. I still remember seeing these, these uh, shopping carts filled with clothing. And uh, leaving these Walmarts. And I had a pastor one time looked at me and said, You know, I understand why they did that. Because they were going to throw that stuff all away anyway. And I looked at him and said, But it wasn't their stuff. Yeah, but I can understand that. I said, OK, so what you're telling me is that if you're hungry, then I have the right to go to any of you farmers here and take the food out of your uh, fields, and there'll be no consequences, and to be OK. Well, that's not the same thing. It is the same thing. Humanity has become evil. And because we've become evil, We live in a society that continues to decay and because we are prone to evil, we are subject to people who are evil, got that? So if I go home today on 127 and there's a drunk driver and he hits me, guess what? I am subject to that evilness of that person and I have the consequences thereof. So. Now, because we are evil, we tend to want to be irresponsible. And here's the key, and and this has really come out in the last month or so. Okay, ready? Irresponsibility always becomes someone else's responsibility. Always. The second one, irresponsibility left unchecked, produces more irresponsibility. And we're in a society right now that we want to take all of the consequences away from irresponsibility. And what is it doing? It's not helping. It's actually producing more irresponsibility. And because it's producing more irresponsibility, and I'm a Christian and I live in my, this society, I have the effects of it. that coming? Here comes a very bold statement. Ready? So let's talk about abortion. One hundred percent, and I, one hundred percent of all abortions is a result of sin. Now, okay, somebody's going. But what about what about what about rape and incest? Is there sin involved? It may not be her. It, it may not be her, but it's definitely him. See what I'm saying? And because of the irresponsibility of him. She's affected. Because of the irresponsibility in him, the baby's affected. See what I'm saying? So, we can go on and on and on and talk about all these things, but irresponsibility always becomes someone else's responsibility. <laughs> Let's talk about the one that we're talking about the most right now. Somebody's got to pay for the student debt. And you say, well, that's the government paying for it. They've got to print more money, and more money causes more inflation, ta-da-da-da-da-da. Ta-da. So, you say, why does it happen? It happens because Adam and Eve sin, creation is groaning, and now humans become evil. And because we become evil, we become self-centered. Now, I gave you some statistics about uh, natural disasters. How about human disasters? <coughs> The top six genocides that have ever happened in the world have happened during the 20th century. Number three is the Holocaust. Six million Jews and Christians and gypsies and you name it were murdered by uh, the Nazi regime. Number two is Stalin. Stalin. 23 to 50 million people were killed under Stalin. Anybody know who number one is? Somebody said Mao. It's Mao. Uh, Mao Zedong. They're estimating 40 to 70 million people were killed under his regime. You know why he killed them? He won their land. He stopped providing the seed. Uh, for the farmers to, uh, uh, to, to, to plant. And so they starved to death. Pure evil. Pure evil. Okay, let's go further. Verse 23 Not only so, but we ourselves have been the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. So as Christians, are we groaning? We should be. We're groaning. Oh, this isn't right. Something's wrong. God, what are you going to do about this? As we wait eagerly for our adoption to the sonship and redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. He who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we don't have yet, we wait for it patiently. So what Paul is saying is, even though we live in the midst of a of a fallen world, and most evil people always look forward, always look to what we hope for. Because we have hope, they don't. I think about North Korea. Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un, whoever they are, and I, and I think about each of those leaders, and every one of them that died. Do you know what they live is the only heaven that they'll ever have? Because they have no hope. You know what I mean? What they, and, and yet they caused their people to starve to death, and everything else in North Korea. And yet that was—they were trying to make a heaven for themselves. And now they have none. They have no hope, and uh, now they're standing in eternity. Now Jesus, what's interesting is Jesus makes comments about this too. You know that? He talks about how you as a Christian are subject to this. For example, Matthew 5.43. Jesus says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven, He causes his son to rise on evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So he's saying that we are subject to this world, and and just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that we are immune to it. He's saying that the evil person down the road is going to get the rain just like the good person. Then he makes another comment. In Luke chapter 13, it says, Now there was some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with the sacrifice. So there was a massacre. Pilate did a massacre. Jesus said, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Because they suffered this way? So he asked the question. Just because they died doesn't mean that they were great sinners. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all perish. For how about? He says, "How about for those eighteen who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them?" He's talking about a natural disaster. He had some eighteen people who were working on a tower. It fell on them and killed eighteen people. Does that mean that they're great sinners just because somebody's there and they died? Does that mean God's punishing them? I tell you, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? So what Jesus is saying is just because there's something nasty and bad that happens to you doesn't mean that you're sinning. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. But yet in our Western society, we take it that way. Because we've been filled with this stuff called the Prosperity Gospel that says that if you are doing everything God wants you to do, then you're going to have a healthy, wealthy, and a great life, and if you're not, then God's going to punish you. Real. Real. So, how are we supposed to... How are we... Am I going backwards? Yeah. How are we supposed to respond to this? Well... How does a Christian respond to this? We rely on the Holy Spirit, the part of the Godhead that is working uh, in our lives right now. We, we rely upon Him. In the same way, the Spirit, whom helps us in our weakness, we do not know we ought, how we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and he always searches our hearts and knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So what what Paul is saying is how do we respond to bad times which will happen? The Holy Spirit intercedes in our weaknesses and groans on our behalf. The Holy Spirit also reminds us of all truth. What's the truth? We have eternity. There's a better life coming. This is not our home. Eternity is our home. God gives you the strength to endure. God gives you the strength to go through this. He also gives spiritual gifts so that you can minister to other people. He also enables the believers to bear fruit. I'm going to talk about this really soon here. And he gives us the words to say at the right time. Many of you say, I don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. There have been times that, I mean, you're looking at a very, I'm an introvert. I really am, okay? I am an introvert. And there are times when it's like, how am I saying this? It's because the Holy Spirit is giving me the words to say. All right, so, let me explain what I mean by this. Oh, I want to do one more. And we also as a Christian should be understanding that we represent Jesus Christ. And people are watching us at all times. Especially when the negative things happen. People are watching. Okay. And we become a witness to them. Alright, let me, let me give you an example. In 2007, Finley, Ohio had a 100 year flood. One third of my town was underwater. My church had five inches to six inches of water in the basement of the church. We had to bring the fire department in to pump out the church because we had so much water that was there. One third of my church people were underwater. My house had sewer backup in there. Okay? And and so we went through a month and a half, a month, a month and a half of 100% going forward. Okay? These are our main helpers in Finland. The Red Cross came in. And I had this nice little bucket. I got it as a cleaning bucket. And I kept it forever and ever. And I never wanted to open it because I just wanted to say, this is what you get type of thing. Polly opened it and used it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we got this nice little bucket. The Baptist men came in. And the Baptist men came in, some of. Uh, United States organization came in, and they started helping. The Mormons came in. Okay, um, Churches came in. Our church went through our neighborhood, which was a lower-income neighborhood. We went door-to-door. Door. We put flyers on them saying, Hey, <clears throat> let us know if you need any help. We'll get some men. We'll help you clean our basement and everything else. I remember the day that this old man came to my office, and he was crying... He was literally crying because he didn't know what else to do. And when I said looked at him and said, Hey, you know what? We'll be there. I'm gonna get some men, and we're gonna help you. What happened in his house was his basement exploded. There was so much water pressure under his basement that the basement floor cracked, and he said, geysers were coming up through his basement. Okay? So all this happened. And the churches were helping one another. And the churches were helping people. And people took note of it. You know, we went through our neighborhood and we helped anybody who needed help in our neighborhood and we did have people start coming to our church as a result of it. Because we helped them in their time of need. So sometimes bad things can happen and we can go and we can be the church and we can... We can share the gospel just by being there with them. What an opportunity. So in 1976, I believe it's 76 or 77, uh, this shows you my age to you younger ones. I woke up about one or two in the morning and I saw sparks on the outside of my window. A sheriff of Allen County, Indiana, saw the flames all the way from Fort Wayne. We were about six miles from Fort Wayne. Saw the flames. Came up, radioed, get our coal fire department en route, we got a barn fire. The only thing that saved our house was the fact, because the embers were landing on the house, was the fact that we had had an ice storm that day. So the embers landed and, and the ice melted and put the embers out. We lost 300 hogs that day. Our business was done. We never recovered. Because after that, then we got ryanitis, then we got rabies. because and you hog farmers know what I'm talking about. The next morning, my church showed up. And they brought their backwoods. And they brought their trucks. And they loaded 300 hogs into a grain truck. And we went to downtown Fort Wayne and to a rendering plant in Dumped all the hogs in there. I rode in that truck, and I will never forget the people staring at us when they saw all those pigs in the back of the truck. Their legs up and everything else. But it was the church that came forward. The church, during the bad times, that came forward. It is an opportunity to witness the good news of Jesus Christ to other people. Because people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. And so I tell my elders, whenever somebody dies in the church, and you go to that funeral home, which you will go to that funeral home, that's one of those things that I require. You can do a lot of other things, but you will be there for that. You walk in there. Don't say a word. Just be there. They know that you were there. And that means more than anything else. And you go and you share the love of God. Because you experience it as well. I never knew. How important a funeral was until my dad died. Never knew. And when those people started showing up, never knew how important. When you go through these bad times, then you know. To minister to other. Praise be the God of the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our time of need, so that we can comfort those with the comfort we ourselves receive. So why bad things happen to Christians? Because we live in a fallen world. Why do bad things happen to Christians? Because we are now given an opportunity to be able to minister to other people. the Titanic hit an iceberg, the Titanic had uh, 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 a pastor on there named John Harper. He successfully led his daughter to a lifeboat. Being a widower, he might have been allowed to go on that lifeboat to join her instead. He forsook her. Or forsook his own rescue, choosing to provide the masses with one more chance to know Jesus. Harper ran through the Titanic, Titanic from person to person passionately telling others about Christ. As the water began to submerge the unsinkable ship, Harper was heard shouting, women and children and the unsaved into the lifeboats. He he was rebuffed by a certain man that offered the offer of salvation. Harper gave him his own life as saying, You need this more than I do. Up until the last moment on the ship, Harper pleaded with people to give their lives to Jesus. The ship disappeared beneath the deep, frigid waters, leaving hundreds floundering in the wake with no realistic chance for rescue. Harper struggled through hypothermia to swim to as many people as he could, still sharing the gospel. Harper eventually would lose his battle with hypothermia, but not before giving as many people as possible the one last chance at the gospel. Four years after the tragedy, at the Titanic Survivors meeting in Ontario, Canada, one survivor recounted his interaction with Harper in the middle of the icy waters of the Atlantic. He testified he was clinging to ship debris when Harper swam up to him, twice challenging him with a biblical invitation to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He rejected the offer once, yet given the second chance, with the miles of water beneath his feet, the man gave his life to Christ. Then as Harper succumbed to his watery grave, this new believer was rescued by a returning lifeboat. As he concluded his remark at, at our ten, as he concluded his remarks at the Ontario Meeting of Survivors, he simply stated, I am the last convert of John Harper. And Father, we don't look forward to the hard times, but we are thankful for them. Because it gives an opportunity to allow you to shine. Help us, O Lord, and help everyone here that might be going through a difficult time. And help us to be an ambassador of Jesus and share Jesus with others. Help us to realize that we live in a fallen world, and it's not our fault. But it is an opportunity, though. So, Lord, be with us all. Guide and direct us, and may we share your love with others. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said. Amen. When Polly had her brain surgery, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. We made it a point that we were going to show the people Jesus through this. And we made it a point that we would display how a Christian is to act and react in hard times. May you have that same attitude and let Jesus show.